Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by my host. Hey, how about your boy? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And on our first episode in December, we are going to keep it holiday E. It's the holiday season. And talk about Loop films this month that are connected to said holidays. We're going to start with today's film, a British import. Oh, yes. From across the pond. And directed by British actor Amel Amin. Boxing Day. But before we get to Boxing Day, how are you, Lynn? I am doing great. Vincent, how are you doing? I am also doing well. Shout out to each and every one of you out there who are watching us as we stream live from Young Junk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast, Palace, here in Maniunk, as we stream live to Facebook, Twitter, as well as YouTube. And to all of you out there in the chat, hello, all of you missionaries. Good evening, one and all. Um, Vincent, I am ecstatic right now. All right. And I want to tell you why, and I want to tell each and every one of you why, is because when we came in, Vincent always does, made me insanely jealous by getting in the elevator that brought us up to the studio and pressing the button, leaned back and said, so I saw Pearly Victorious. I did. I did. I <laughs> On did. Broadway. I did. It's true. It's true. So Vincent. Yes. How was Leslie Odom? Leslie Odom. And we should probably get it because it is as if you've seen Pearly Victorious, you know that it is really a, a play that is a um, group effort. Yes. It's a group effort. So while certainly Leslie Odom Jr. is the star playing the title role of Pearly Victorious, it is also worth, you would think I'd have every everybody up, but you would be wrong. There's the cast. There's this, it's a whole bunch of stuff on here that's not the, ca- not the cast. Maybe if I clicked on cast. Um <laughs> Billy Eugene Jones as Gitlo, fantastic. Okay. Jay Sanders as old Captain Kachapi. Nice. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Heather Alicia Sims as Missy Judison, once again, fantastic. Uh, Noah Robbins, a young actor who plays Charlie Kachapi, was really good, really good. Uh, our girl, Vanessa Bell Calloway what? as Miss Adela. And... Someone who was absolutely remarkable. Carrie Young, okay. who plays Ludie Bell Gussie Mae Jenkins. Oh, nice. That's the um it, it from, this is an adaptation. This is this is a, this is an adaptation of the classic Ozzie Davis play. Right. That was then turned into a film that you and I actually reviewed mm-hmm. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And and Kara Young plays the role that Ruby D played. Right. And if you are men or, or a person of our age, and we talked about this during the review, many of us are familiar with the Pearly story through the musical mm-hmm. Pearly. Pearly. Right. Which used to run on on 
PBS affiliates and they showed it on television where um Robert Guillaume plays Pearly and Melba Moore yeah. plays Ludabell. Yeah, I actually saw Pearly on stage. Yeah. It was fantastic. Really? It was absolutely fantastic. Leslie Odom was magnificent. Really? He was funny. Mm-hmm. He would the, the you know it's such a physical play, like obviously Leslie Odom you're you're not surprised by that because of the physicality that he brought to the role of Aaron Burr you know mm-hmm. his most famous in role in Hamilton, but he is so good and you know Pearly basically is playing a slick talking preacher. So it's just a lot of words Mm -hmm. and Leslie Odom handles it so, so well, but Kara Young as Ludabelle, who, you know, I wasn't familiar with her work. She's been in a few things here and there. She was a revelation. She is funny. Her physical performance, she is pretty, like, just the whole Everything, the whole package. package. And the two of them together, you know how we do. Like, 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 like we kind of do these mental exercises. Like, if I kind of ruled the world, what would I do? And this is going to sound like sacrilege, but it's not. You're going to think I'm thinking about something, but I'm not. Leslie Odom Jr. has so many things going for him. Good looking guy, leading man, kind of stature and presence. He can sing. He is funny. He has such um he, he has such um sort of chemistry with Carrie Young that I wanted the two of them to work together. Okay. And like Leslie Odom, because <laughs> he is so good at so many things, like he could own a nightclub where he does a show. And like Kara Young could play his wife, who's always trying to get into the club and kind of do things. And then she gets into misadventures. Okay. Okay. And maybe she can have a friend named like Hethel. <laughs> and she's married to a man named Ned. Maybe Ned. Mm-hmm. And they could all get into adventures. She is that good. Wow. Lynn, I've not laughed at something like this in (laughs) I don't know how long. Nice. So so the first thing I was going to tell you, but then you said you had already planned on. I plan on seeing it. If you are on the East Coast, make it your business to go see Early victorious and run because I think it it, it closes in out February, in, in February, maybe? yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so good, wow! And you and I have been doing this long enough that that you know our record kind of speaks for ourselves. Like we've been doing it long enough that we've like we've said things like, "Wow, you know that Tessa Thompson." I think things might might go that you know well for her mm-hmm. you know that barry jenkins i really like you know i really like I see good um, things for him. you know i like medicine for melancholy i feel like barry jenkins is an actor that we should keep our eye on director but yeah director you know regardless of where we are with his personal stuff we said oh this jonathan majors guy i think he's gonna be big so kara young kara young really 
remarkable. Lynn, she play- and we said it's it's funny. I was uh, we 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 reviewed this. We reviewed Pearly Victorious a few years ago, and you and I basically said that you know Captain Catchapee is this old kind of southern gentleman like like I what we said is like if Foghorn Leghorn and Colonel <laughs> Sanders were like you know maybe ha- they should play it up a little more <laughs> right 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 get low is this old timey kind of satire of of the happy slave so he's got his whole thing early victorious as i said fast talking to him. and we said that these three characters almost were in a different place than everybody else mm-hmm. in the play. And Ruby D is so young and, and you know, it's like 1963. I think the film was made. So it's in the midst of the civil rights movement. So everybody's very kind of like, like you can tell Ruby D is like, I'm only like, I'm Ruby D I'm only doing so much. Tara young is balls to the wall. Nice. Like she, it, it, it is the, she matches Leslie Odom Jr. so well, who again is great. And this is Aaron Burr. It is so, so good. I cannot, I cannot wait. I'm looking forward to I yeah. think we're gonna see it in like sometime in January. So yeah, yeah. Well, well, you are in for a treat. Wow. The other thing, just complete Vince's culture corner. Uh, yes, please, let's do it. We uh, went to a viewing of American Fiction. Oh, that's the new Jeffrey Wright movie. Right, right, starring Jeffrey Wright. And every accolade that you've heard, and, and that's Cord, Cord, should look this up. Oh, the director? The director, and uh, yeah, Cord. Well, go ahead, keep talking, I'll, I'll right. do it for you. Every accolade that this film has gotten, it should have gotten. Mm. It is razor sharp satire. It is a farce. Um, going forward, people are going to talk about this in the same breath as Putney Swope and um, Bamboozled. Really? Because I was wondering whether or not how it would, like, if it if it's actually funny. Uh, Cord Jefferson. Cord Jefferson. Writer-director. Oh, oh, it is laugh-out-loud funny. Okay. Like, it is actually hilarious. And Jeffrey Wright is, I mean, it's, you know, I was thinking Jeffrey Wright kind of has... 70s Stevie Wonder problem. Like he's so good and he's been so good for so long. We almost kind of take him for granted. Hmm. Like Songs in the Key of Life came out, but like by the time Songs in the Key of Life came out, it was like fulfilling his first finale and talking book and music of my mind. And like, and you know, it's like, oh, okay, you've made a life altering record again that's a good call because because jeffrey wright as uh acclaimed as he's been is not a leading man right so it's easy to take him for granted yeah he can do everything like a chameleon yeah he is hilarious yeah he is you know lead he's a character actor all of it and again this satire and i don't think this is giving anything away because this is right in the trailer You, you know the plot is he is a struggling novelist, basically. Right. And part of the reason he's struggling because he writes these very sort of sophisticated, urbane books. Right. And the publishers 
and don't think that he's quote unquote black enough. Mm -hmm. So then he writes this outrageously stereotypical book. And of course. And then that turns into a hit. Hijinks ensue. And like I said, much like Putney Swope and Bamboozled, the the satire and critique is razor sharp. Mm -hmm. But I think what's what I've not seen in the criticism of this film is the B plot is as strong, if not stronger, okay, than this main plot that we all talk about with American fiction. Just plot wise, like I said, he's a, the other thing. You know, he's a writing professor at a college. Things are like things are tough. Basically, he gets backed into a sabbatical. Like, dude, you gotta take a break. Mm -hmm. Goes home to visit his family. Okay, in Boston. Okay, his family comes from a, a family of physicians. His father is dead. His mother is played by Leslie Uggams. That's my girl. His sister is played by Tracy Ellis Ross. Okay, I wonder what role she played. His brother is played by Sterling K. Brown. And then Erica Alexander uh, becomes his love interest. Ah! Uh, oh, stop it. Kill him. Lynn. Killing me. His family and the interactions with the family are so wonderful. You don't need the book stuff. Just just live right there. Wendy is um re-watching Six Feet Under. Did you watch Six Feet Under? Not the HBO really. show I know about it, the, the family, you know, HBO show, uh, early 2000s. Yeah, set in the funeral set home. Set in the funeral home. But just this really well-constructed, genteel-mannered family drama. Yes. That quite honestly, they don't really make anymore. Right. Like, just these kind of families, and they interact. I could watch an entire television show about the Ellison family mm. in this film and Jeffrey Wright bouncing off of these wonderful actors. So I've had a good cultural four or five days. So if American fiction, if when American, because is it officially out yet? I think it comes out. I think it, it drops this week. Drops this week. It, I'm not seeing the release date. Um, yeah, I think point, it drops this week. Drops this week. Absolutely, make a point to see American fiction. Oh, I look forward to so, it. Yeah, absolutely. I am look. I am looking forward to that. Yeah. Um. I mean, you, I mean, they had me at Jeffrey Wright, but then Erica Alexander. Uh, I love the fact that she's going through a bit of a renaissance. Like I love the fact that Erica Alexander is around. So do I. Well, yes, that too. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> look. Oh! Mm. I ever tell you about when Erica Alexander was at Amalgam Comics? She showed up at Amalgam Comics. I forget exactly what the event was. Probably but, for her comic book. Oh, it was for yeah. Concrete Park. Mm hmm for Concrete Park. She was there for Concrete Park and, you know, Ariel, our, our, our close friend of the show, you know, was the owner of, of Amalgam, was there 
And I had already interviewed uh, Erica like about a year or so earlier on Black Tribbles mm-hmm. on, on my radio show. So, um, and, and and Ariel knew how I felt about sure Erica Alexander. But I can't remember. I was someplace. Like, I couldn't be there at the event. I mm-hmm. was somewhere. And they sent me a video on my phone. Oh, that is funny. And Erica, Alex- Erica Alexander said words to the effects like, now I'm in Philly and you ain't here. What's up, Len? What- you don't want me. You don't want me. Just hang up. Just hang up. I was like, no. That's a terrible story. I wish you hadn't told me that. So I was up. But anyway. Anyway. I, I'm looking forward to seeing she's America. Very good. Great. Yeah. Great, great, great stuff. Well, I see your Vince's culture corner. Okay. And I welcome you and the missionaries to Lens Geeky Grotto. Okay. All right. Where I will regale you. Of my short review. Okay. Of Godzilla minus one. Man, I'm forward to this. Oh my God. Vincent, I went to, now mind you, I went to this movie with someone who has never seen a Godzilla movie. Okay. Only knows Godzilla exists because they've seen the word. In the dictionary. Sure, sure. There's nothing about Godzilla except that it's a big lizard. Big lizard. That's what he is. Mm -hmm. But this movie, Godzilla Minus One, which to be, not to confuse anyone, is not set in the world of the most recent American Godzilla movie. Sure, sure. The Monarch-verse. Right. The Monarch-verse, as as it were. This movie is by the creators of Godzilla, Toho. It's Mm -hmm. a Japanese movie. And it more or less um, operates as almost a a remake of a sort of the first Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. which was actually Gojira. Gojira. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a period piece, Because it's right? a period piece. It takes place in Japan right after... World War II, right after the dropping of the, of, uh, the bomb. Sure. And... It deals with Japan actually having to pick up the pieces, rebuild their their culture, rebuild their 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 the civilization. Um, but it also deals with having to, in the midst of this disaster where so much is lost, you have to not only reclaim your life, but you have to reclaim and reimagine what family looks like Mm. Um, while also there is um, a storyline that deals with dealing with PTSD and not just from the war, but then also having survived an attack from Godzilla yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which, which is interesting. It's interesting to see that that that's a bit of a thread that's picked up in the Monarch series. Yeah, um, but this is right here in this film. This is probably the first kaiju movie ever, 
where the human interest story, what is happening on the ground with the humans, the mm-hmm. Japanese people that are, de- that are that are living their lives or trying to rediscover their lives, is every bit as interesting, as every bit as moving, and as every bit as uh, heartfelt as any of the action that happens in this. Mm-hmm. And yet... It seamlessly, seamlessly mm-hmm. ties into the action of Godzilla so much so that you are on your, like the edge of your seat, the almost the entire movie or, or definitely every time Godzilla comes up. This may be the best design for Godzilla I've okay. ever seen. This right. Godzilla is like in, in, incredible to see. The special effects, I'm not going to say the special effects are on the par of the Monarch verse, but they're so close. It's a, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, and I think the difference is because in the Monarch verse, it's, it, it's Godzilla versus monsters, and this is solely Godzilla. So there are times where Godzilla almost looks a little stiff because he's just him, and he's just standing there. But then he'll move. But it, 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 it still works because even when he's standing there, you never lose the perspective perspective of the scale of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fury and the power and the and the uh the 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 just terror of Godzilla. Godzilla right. is is rightfully scary as a whoop in this movie. And dude, it, it was so, 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 so good. And a person that went with me that never saw Godzilla in their life was like, that was good. Is it better than Shin Godzilla? Yes. You see, you say yes. You saying something now? It's better than Shin Godzilla. Okay, because if it's better than Shin Godzilla, you know what you're saying. What? This is the best Godzilla movie ever made. See, I the only reason I won't say that this is the best Godzilla movie ever made is because the little kid of me. We'll never forget the moment in Godzilla versus Kong <laughs> when Godzilla and Kong fought Mecha Godzilla. Like that will always like I was when I saw that in that movie, I was like, oh my God, it's Mecha Godzilla and King Kong and Godzilla fighting Mecha. I was, dude, I was in my pajamas with mm-hmm. a bowl of cereal mm-hmm. all over again when At I saw that. At some point, it. I'll be sitting in the theater going, you know what? This is good. What I really need is Jet Jaga. You do not. See, see, not, see now that's sacrilege. I need Jet Jaga. You do not. See, now that's sacrilege. In, in a Japanese no. boy in some itty bitty shorts. <laughs> and, and, uh, um, Godzilla doing a, a two-legged drop kick, Dude, two-legged drop into kick. a lobster. Yeah, D- no, right. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, man, come on now, God, uh, come on now, Mecca, don't play with, don't play, Dylan, Mecca, you Godzilla. know about Mecca Godzilla, Mecca Godzilla. We need a Godzilla, but it's actually a giant robot. Ah! Ah! 
All right. So, Godzilla minus one. Godzilla minus one is all that. It is, it is absolutely all that. Number one daughter is coming home from college this week. We suppose go see it. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. You, I think she will. You will, you will absolutely enjoy mm-hmm. it. What else you will enjoy? Okay. Not to be outdone. Okay. Speaking of Godzillas. Speaking of Godzillas. Or large beings. Yes. I saw Bookie. <laughs> okay. All right. It's a new series on Max. Okay. Starring Sebastian Manikowsko. Okay. And? One Omar J. Dorsey. Omar Doing that work. Dude. Good stuff. Dude. Dude. He's not Hollywood. He's not playing Hollywood. No, he, no. He's not Hollywood anymore. He's not Hollywood. <laughs> Bookie is about Sebastian Maniscalco. Manis and mm-hmm. pro- forgive me if I'm saying his name incorrectly. Um, plays a bookie. Yes. It's right there in the title. <laughs> and, 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 It'd be and, weird if he was about a lawyer. In, in California. And, uh, and it's about him trying to, like, basically collect on on these sports books, sure. Which is a dying, which is a dying profession because of legalized, legalized gambling, legalized gambling, yeah. which is actually a, a com- commented on in the show. Uh, Omar plays his partner slash the enforcer. Uh oh. But, but uh. Omar is he enforces upon everybody except his grandmother. <laughs> oh no, he got a gambling grandmother? Well, he doesn't have a gambling grandmother. Okay. But he has a grandmother. See, Omar Omar's character, he used to be a professional football player. Okay. But as but he had a, a bad knee injury, so sure, he had, he had sure, this, sure. where he fall fall in line. But when he was a professional basketball football player, you know, he was rolling in the dough. Mm-hmm. So he bought his grandmother a beautiful house out in Brentwood. Nice. But when he got a knee injury and when the money started going other places, like paying for child support for his 10 kids. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. Grandma had to move to a rental in Compton. Oh, no. <laughs> and she... Never, never, never takes a moment to let him forget about that. Oh, well, that is, that's a lot. She reminds him every single moment about this show is, it is, it is so funny. They go, they go over to his grandma's house. I forget why they go over to his grandma's house for something. They have to stop off to get something before they go to out to this Drug, uh, drug rehab center. All right, don't tell all of it. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, they got to go to the drug rehab center because they got to collect from Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Is Charlie Sheen actually show up? Yes, fantastic. But while they're inside Grandma's house, when they come out, <laughs> the, the bookie his car gets repossessed. Oh, this this is this is terrible. So they have to call an Uber. Oh, Uber. To go out to the drug rehab. <laughs> right, right. To get money from. Ten hours Sheen. later, the Uber shows up. Oh. Because <laughs> they're in Compton. 
city of Compton. This I'm telling you, man. I've I've seen two episodes of the show. New episodes every Thursday. Free plug. It is it is laugh out loud. Hilarious. Excellent. Well, congratulations, Omar. I I I, I hope this is a huge yeah. hit. It's brought to you to him by uh, Chuck Laurie, is the executive producer of this. Oh, you know. Oh, well, there you go. And they, so that's the Charlie Sheen money. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I guess this is its next big thing since you know Big Bang Theory is off. The, off. So, um, it's it's Omar. You got a hit in in, in my books, man. I. I love it. All right. Congratulations, brother. I love it. All right. This has been Len's Geeky Grotto. Right. There you go. And you know we believe in all of these things because we said it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> You're so funny. No, I always <laughs> say you can tell a lot. You can tell a lot about what we say, but you can also tell a lot about what we don't, don't say. say. That's very true. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yes, you're right. All right. All right. Uh, let's get to our emails, mm -hmm. or as we like to call them. This is from the missionaries. So what else is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. Ooh. Ooh. Mrs. from the Missionaries, number one, Vincent from Corey Nicole. Hey, Corey. Hi, Len and Vince. Happy holidays to both of you. I recently listened to the Strictly Business episode and it made me think of something. Okay. A fun fact about the movie was Halle Berry was not the initial pick for Natalie. Oh, that is. Who was? Did she tell us who it was? Funny you should ask. Okay. Corey continues. It was actually going to be A.J. Johnson. Shireen from House Party. Oh, I, AJ oh we, we, we know. <laughs> we are well aware. Wow. Of who, so what happened? Um, no, I just expect her to know everything about this. She doesn't, she doesn't explain what happens. Um, however, she... Come on, Corey. You can't drop A.J. Johnson and then... Also, apparently, up for the role of Wayman... Mm-hmm. Was David Allen Greer? No, I knew that. I did know David Allen Greer either turned it down or something happened. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Because I actually, you know, no disrespect to um, I'm just forgetting all kinds of names tonight. Um, I'm looking right at him. We see him because he's doing the goofy dance on the in the Cosby, on the Cosby Show credits. Show. Yeah. Go ahead. No disrespect to him, but I thought David Allen Greer would have brought talent to the role. You're right. Hey, dog, easy. I was going to say different energy. Slash talent. I actually like him on The Cosby Show. I actually like him and Lisa Bonet's chemistry. You like their energy together? No, their chemistry. Yeah. Okay. All right, go ahead. Corey continues. Yes, Corey. I, with a question for the both of us. Okay. Do you believe that black comedians make strong, great leading men in movies? Mm -hmm. I ask this because I think about how Bernie Joseph Ma C. Phillips. Go ahead. 
I ask this because I think about how Bernie Mac could pull that feat off with his wit and charm. I would say Eddie Murphy, too, but his ego can sometimes get the best of him and he can come off as uh, not so charming uh, in moments. Um, Do I believe that black comedians could make strong leading men? I mean, it's like it's like. All comedians. Some comedians could. Some yeah. comedians mm-hmm. couldn't. You know, um, Bernie Mac. Honestly, you know, you, you're saying Bernie Mac could, but I'm. I can only really think of two movies where Bernie Mac is kind of like the lead or co-lead, and I think he's just okay in those. So I'm thinking about was it Mr. Five Hundred? Mr. Five Hundred, and where then he's there's okay. the. Um, the 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 remake of who's guess who's coming to dinner? Guess who? Oh, and I hate guess who. And then he is also with um, Samuel uh, Jackson in in Soul Men. Soul Men. And I and I watched. I saw that. I, can't, I barely remember that movie, but I remember him like he's just. Uh, it's all right. It's all right. See, I don't know if I, I don't know if I see Bernie Mac like Bernie Mac. I don't know if I see as a leading man on movies, television, of course. Right. But movies is a different energy. I mean, because I'm thinking like, like she she says Eddie Murphy can pull it off. Look, Damon Wayans pulled it off. Jamie Foxx pulled it off. Richard Pryor, of course. Eddie Murphy is a freak of nature. I think calling Jamie Foxx a comedian is amazingly reductive. Like Jamie Foxx is just everything. Okay, but he but he was a comedian though. No, that's what hit first. Okay, but Eddie Murphy hit first as no, a comedian. No, no, no. But Eddie Murphy, I think the baseline of Eddie Murphy is comedian. Okay, yeah. Like he plays it music. Okay. Okay. And and he you know. So you're saying, like, if you ask Jamie Foxx probably what his baseline would be. I'm saying that there are parallel universes to the left and right of us Mm -hmm. where Jamie Foxx hit as an an actor actor first. And then there's a parallel universe right on the other side where he hit as a singer. Okay. You know, Jamie Foxx can can just do everything. Okay. I mean, you're going, um, but he can. Jamie Foxx sings better than... 90% 90% of the people on this planet. He plays instruments like, you know, you might not like what he does, but you can't say he can't sing. No, okay. Right. Okay, okay, okay. Damon Wayans, besides the last Boy Scout, you know, I guess he's the lead of Bamboozle. We were just talking about Bamboozle. He's the lead of Bamboozle. All right, I'll give you Damon Wayans. And Damon Wayans is a comedian. Mm-hmm. So we got Eddie Murphy, Damon Wayans that Martin you Lawrence. and I both agree on. He was, I mean, say what you want about Martin Lawrence. You're right, Martin Lawrence. Right, like, like I don't like his shtick, but everybody else does. Yeah. Say what you want about Chris Rock. Oh, I don't think Chris Rock is a good lead at all, and I, think, I don't think he's a good lead. Yeah, and, and okay. I think every single amalgamation of criticism around Chris Rock as lead throughout his career has kind of said that like everything always lands on Chris Rock is not a good lead. 
So with that in mind, circling back to and, Martin, and just just to, to clarify, to compare Chris Rock to Martin Lawrence, like I personally do not like Martin Lawrence as a lead, but yeah. I think the the sort of collected opinion of criticism is that he works as a lead. Okay. Whereas that, Chris is Rock, where I was going to go. I also don't like Chris Rock as a lead, but I think if you look at the collected criticism, is that he that they he, that, that is he the doesn't consensus. work. The consensus is yeah. that he doesn't work. Okay. That and that's why I was going to circle back to Martin Lawrence right. on that on that point. Okay. So, um who else is there? I mean, Richard Pryor. And even that's sort of and Richard case Pryor, by case. Okay, very very case by yeah. case. Um Bill Cosby. Oh, it, another freak of nature. Like, ooh, Bill Cosby and Eddie Murphy can do everything. So Bill so Cosby, controversial. Bill Cosby, Eddie Murphy, Jamie, Jamie Foxx. The, they're the freaks of nature. Right, the three freaks. Yeah, they can probably juggle. Do card tricks. Okay. They're ambidextrous. <laughs> like, sure, all right, fine. All right. So then, so that leaves us to Kevin Hart. I can't really judge Kevin Hart. It's Kevin, Kevin, I think Kevin Hart kind of fits in the Martin Lawrence vein. People like him. He, he seems to work. The consensus is that he works the, the as a lead. The consensus is that, that Kevin Hart works. Right. I now, say, I, don't, I don't think he necessarily is the a strong lead because I right. think he basically does Kevin Hart and, you know, you just cast around it, right. which is what you do with Martin Lawrence. Right. I think he's maybe a little bit more giving as a, of a performer than Martin Lawrence was. Right. So I'll give him that. But, um, like, I don't think Kevin Hart, admittedly, he's not given the opportunity or hasn't taken the opportunity. I don't know how dramatic he could get. I've seen him be melodramatic. I have watched one episode, and maybe this is saying more more than I want to say, that I've only seen one episode. But that show... What is that true story with him and Wesley Snipes? The Netflix show, yeah. I didn't think it was bad. I I didn't show was bad. I didn't think it was good enough that I've watched more than one episode. And you probably, which was the first episode, yeah, the same one I watched, yeah, right. So I feel like maybe it's there, maybe. So maybe it's just a matter of getting the getting the work, getting the script. Look, you know my Kevin Hart thing. I feel like Kevin Hart doesn't stretch. Like I feel like it's something there, but you know. The money is in these movies. Hey, look the at The money's me. in these projects. Look at look at me. I'm a little guy and I've got this annoying voice. Hey. If the rock is free, we can throw him in there. I'm a little guy. He's a big guy. Isn't this hilarious? You can't get the rock, get ice cube. Isn't this hilarious? I'm a little guy. He's a big guy. Laughter ensues. Laughter ensues. I'm gonna be real spastic. Hey. Hour and forty five minutes. 20 million. 20 million. I can't be mad at it. Did I mention I'm a little guy? I believe you said that once or twice. Yes, yes. He actually has a commercial where, and I don't even know what he's at, you know, it's because it's like Kevin Hart, you know, God bless that man, make your money. But like the whole commercial was him trying to reach for the top shelf in the supermarket. I think I saw that. It's like, right. You're a little guy. I don't know if you've mentioned that. You Okay. I didn't mean to trigger you. <laughs> I get frustrated. <laughs> Why? I'm not even mad. 
just disappointed. Why? I'm like, he could do more. You know what? Here's the thing I will say about Kevin Hart. Could he maybe do more? Sure. But I think he's taking the projects. I think he's being a little bit more selective lately. But he's taking the projects that people are putting in front of him. Sure. He signed those checks. And what I will say he's also doing is he gives other people opportunity. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of writers, other comedians. That is part of what frustrates me. Like, I feel like there's something there. Because I think the type of person that does that has this sort of um, interiority, kind of this thoughtful. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like there's thoughtfulness there. Yeah, but, 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 but the, I think that thoughtfulness that you're seeing, I don't think he's inclined to, and I can't be mad at him, to necessarily put that on full display on the screen because I don't think his first thought is to be some great thespian like sure. that. I sure. think his great fault is to his gr- right. greatest fault is to be a great comedian. Alright. But that thoughtfulness he puts behind the scenes and and how he gives people jobs and opportunities. Alright. Well there you go. I cape for Kevin Hart. Alright. Philly standing up for Philly. So then is that it? So, Corey so- Nicole continues. All in all, this podcast is everything to me. Oh, well, good. I have some reviews, recommendations for you both to check out, like okay, the indie right. movie Dry Dry Long So. More Wayne Brothers movies like White Chicks and Don't Be a Menace and A Low Down Dirty Shame. Yeah. And In Too Deep with Omar Epps. In Too Deep's been on my list. So has Low Down Dirty Shame, actually. I've seen In Too Deep on people's lists. Yeah. I just haven't pulled the trigger. Love as always, Corey. Thank, Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate the email. We have one uh, more email that I'm going to go to today, ladies and gentlemen. And this is from uh, Michael Sykes. Soul Man or AKA The Minstrel Show of the 80s. <laughs> Hi, Lennon Vince. I've watched Soul Man from 1986 and then listened to your review on it. All I can say is Ray Don Chung has gotten her black card revoked away from her. Oh, no. How dare she try to defend this ish? She does. No wonder why she hasn't played in any black movie since The Visit, which was in 2000. Do not remind me of The Visit. I like The Visit. I do. It was a split decision. I like to visit. I think she smoked too much of her father's weed. Oh, no. Her father famously Not being Tommy, Tommy Chong from yeah. Tisha Chong. Because this movie was a minstrel show. As far as James Earl Jones, I don't know what identity or midlife crisis he was going through. <laughs> Did he need to pay some bills? Was he going through a divorce? Wow. <laughs> Damn, Mike. Damn, Mike. You know what? James O. Jones was in Soul Man. So so this you, you get all this smoke. That's true. Yet, I still have love for him of thanks course. to a movie that I watched after this, which was The Great White Hope, which yeah. was one of his masterpieces. Um, that was the first time watching both Soul Man and The Great White Hope. I don't know which one is more terrible or racist, Soul Man or Malibu's Most Wanted. Mm. 
Vincent. Yes. This is a freebie for you from okay. Michael Sykes. All right. Original Gangsters. Okay. You can stream it for free on Tubi. Know what? We all joke about Tubi, but quietly there are a couple of gems on Tubi like this. That does not surprise me at all. Love your fan, Michael Sykes. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. It's funny, I was thinking about James Earl Jones. I don't even, oh, because we were talking about that madman who's the Speaker of the House now, Mike, Michael, Mike Johnson, and talking about how he is right in line for the presidency. Yeah, he's third in line. Third in line, and I was saying, I feel like that was the plot to the James Earl Jones movie from, I think, 1972, The Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. where he played, a, and I don't think this was the exact plot, but it was this sort of convoluted things that happened. It was 1972 where they had this radical notion that a black man would become president. Mm-hmm. And that's what the whole movie was about. James Earl Jones becomes president. And it was called The Man. Ah, can't wait to see that. I don't know if I've ever seen I just always knew about it. Or to the pulling it one. Yeah. So thank you, Michael Sykes. Thank you, Michael. Missives from the missionaries. All right. Let's keep this train of moving, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for the top five. All right. Top five, ladies and gentlemen, where I have a top five of listen. I give it to Vincent, and he gives me and you his scintillating commentary. Scintillating is such a strong word. We shall see. We shall see. Keeping it in theme. Ooh, thematic. Tonight's top five in theme with our review of Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. Tonight's top five are famous Movie boxes. Boxes. Yes. Not boxers. Not boxers. Boxes. boxes. Okay. All right. I can think of one, but go ahead. Okay. Let's see what we got. Number five. Number five. From 1995. 1995. Who's in the box? Who's in the box? There it is. Seven. There it is. Delivered to a deserted area on the outskirts of the city, Detective Mills and Somerset have a very nasty surprise in store with this box. Yeah. Because it's a present from serial killer John Doe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just talking about this kind of role because this is Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman. As a sort of grounded detective. We've seen horrors unfold. I'm like, <laughs> I've seen in my 30 years on this job. This is the movie where he started that role. <laughs> right, right. It all right. started with seven. Right. You think he keeps that same overcoat? Or do you think he gets a new kind of weathered overcoat? Every movie, like every single movie, they have like the Morgan Freeman weathered overcoat. I would not be surprised if it's <laughs> Same overcoat. Just in every just, film. Just movie to movie. At this point, at this point, that overcoat has seen a lot of things. He's the connective tissue. The connective tissue. There you go. All right. So that is number five. That's number five. Number four. Great movie that holds up. Oh, 
Seven holds up. It do, it it does hold up. It, here's the thing. You would think once you know what's in the box, yeah, you you know that kind of spoils it for you. Mm-hmm. And to a degree it does, but the movie really does. Yeah, yeah. It's a scintillating movie. Mm-hmm. Number four. Number four. From 2008. 2008. Famous box. The most adorable box that you've ever laid your eyes on. Okay. Actually, the title character of this movie. Okay. Wally. You would say Wally is a box? He is a trash compactor. It's true. Left on a planet Earth to clean up all the mess left behind by humans. It's true. Wally is the last sentient being on the planet. He loves Hello Dolly, which means we love him. Yeah. He was he's a box. I love Wally. Oh. That may be my favorite Pixar movie. Look, man. one of my favorite movies. You, look. It's so beautiful. Wally is fantastic. And another one. Holds up. Oh, it absolutely holds These up. These are well-constructed boxes so far. Yes. Yeah. I watch Wally about once every couple of years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Number three. Number three. From 2005. Okay. This box is a coffin. Okay. However, it is not the most famous coffin that you probably would think of. Okay. Because when I say a movie coffin, what's the first one that comes to your mind? Oh. It's it's what well, we think we're talking about Morgan Freeman, so I I I go to Unforgiven. Oh wow. I wasn't even thinking about yeah. Unforgiven. Uh, I would think that the first one that comes to my mind is Dracula's coffin. Point to any Dracula movie. It is always about, you know. It's coffin. That's how I'm reading Dracula. Yes, you did tell me you were reading Dracula. You're reading Dracula. You were falling in love with Dracula all over again. It's amazingly good. Yes. Yeah, but yes. Okay. But but this coffin. This don't, coffin. Don't get off track. This coffin. Because I because I, I boy, it is so good. But all right, I know. Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. We're talking about Dracula. Not Dracula's time. coffin. Not Dracula's coffin. There's another one. All right. This is the bride's coffin from Kill Bill. Volume two. Oh, yeah. The bride gets what's coming to her when her roaring rampage of revenge raises the hackles of fellow assassin Bud, who buries her alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In a coffin. And this coffin is a, is quite literally a box. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That she has to punch her way out. That's of. right. And the movie that also holds up. Look, man. Both volumes. Both volumes. Absolutely holds up. I think you could argue. I think there's an argument that the whole thing could have been edited down. Yes. To one movie. To one movie. Yes. But they're good movies. They're, they're two good yeah, movies. Yeah. All right, that's number three. That's number three. Good boxes. Very good boxes. Yeah. Number two. Number two. Hollywood's famous boxes. Famous boxes. We go back to 1981. Okay. To a little thing called the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
a box yeah. that literally yeah. holds mm-hmm. the fragments of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. That can make one invincible. Yeah. Or can make you melt like cheese. Yeah. In one of the most gruesome scenes ever put the film mm-hmm. that I have strategically only seen once. Really? Not the movie. No, no, that, that scene. scene. Does that fall under body horror? Oh, God, yes. Interesting. I can't stand, I, I, I can't stand extreme body horror. I can't stand to see things melt, especially yeah. things with faces. Yeah, yeah. And that movie, that, that movie, That movie traumatized me, man. I, I, I'm telling you, because I saw it. <laughs> Dylan, I saw you working the computer behind the scenes. That is fantastic. <laughs> Dylan showed a quick image of the melting Nazi head. Vincent? Yes. I need you to be a true it's gone. friend. It's gone. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm on back on track. Come on, Kendrick. I know it's I know it's the sequel, but choose wisely. Also, you, you we are contractually bound whenever Raiders in the Lost Ark comes up to point out the fact that if Indiana Jones was not in the movie at all, it still would have unfolded the way it unfolded. That is actually, you know, that is 100% true. I, mean, I never I thought about I that. I didn't come up with that. Like I that's never sort, thought about sort of that. a general consensus. If Indiana Jones was not in the movie at all, it actually wouldn't have been a problem. You're right. Yeah. The second they would have opened it. The second they would have opened it. Would have been it. Been a wrap. Yeah. I never thought about yeah. that. Yeah. It's a huge plot hole. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Number one. Number one, and, and a lot of pressure. And so far, these are all boxes. All that four hold, right. fantastic boxes. Raiders of the Lost Ark is is that business. It is. Still. Yes. So go ahead. What you got? From 1984, 19- we have a little ornate wooden box that has something inside that I and the world like to call a mugwai. Oh, yeah. Yes. Ted Mogwai is the cutest, most marketable little thing ever to come out of Hollywood. Yeah. Going by the name Gizmo, he's yeah. a humming little ball of adorableness. Yeah. Except for when he gets wet. Don't get him wet. Or eats after midnight. Don't feed him after midnight. For then, he turns into one of the gremlins. Yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, if you get him wet... That's how he multiplies. And then if you feed him after midnight, he turns to a gremlin. Now, if I recall correctly, when the amazingly 80s racist Asian guy gives him the instructions, he doesn't tell him why. No, he does not. He just says, don't get this, him wet. Don't do this. And don't feed him after midnight. And as long as you did that. And you should just trust me because I'm an old wizened Asian man. Yes. And certainly you don't quest, have follow-up questions. 
Yes. And then since you're... But to, but to be fair, if he had said don't get them wet. Now, get them wet is how he multiplies. How they multiply. So if, if he had said don't get him wet because then you'll get more than one of them. Right. What would a kid do? Immediately get them wet. Down, and get, throw them in the bathtub. Throw them in the bathtub, right. So he was smart. Just said don't get him wet. Don't feed him after midnight because then he turns into a demon. Feel like maybe they should lead with that. Truth be told, they should have killed Mugwai in, in, during the opening credits. Why? Because this is where it's headed. <laughs> but that's not his fault. Well, you know what? Life is tough. You would have done that? You would have killed him? Oh, absolutely. Without question. Sins. Without question. Oh, Without question. And I'm going to tell you why. Why? Because when he reproduced... The rest of them were evil. Like we talk about, they turned into gremlins, and they, like they were evil mugwise. Okay, okay. So you already got a situation that is a, a ticking time bomb because at some point you're going to get them wet. You don't have to get them wet. I ain't like the whole thing. I ain't like the whole. I ain't like the whole situation. Kill it. Go get a puppy. You get a puppy wet. You feed a puppy after midnight. <laughs> you can train a puppy. Okay. Why are you buying weird, exotic animals from the stereotypical Asian guy in the dark store? Like, like the whole thing. It's funny. We were talking about um, Sid Croft passing. Marty Croft. Marty Croft passing last week and, and and you you know very very wisely suggested that if people wanted to get a taste they could just watch the credits mm -hmm. to each of them which I actually did. Like, I'm like, sure you like, did. Like, like I watched like 10 and so many of the shows have a really dicey setup. They're all it's all like it's kids playing and then a weirdo says Come with me, kids. Yes, yes. That's, that's come with me, kids. Like or like 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 because I'd forgotten you you actually said the lost saucer. I love but the lost I saucer. thought the lost saucer was the far off space. Like I'd gotten oh, okay. I had conflated them. I forgot the lost saucer was its own thing where the flying saucer just lands yeah. in the middle of the night. It says, get on, get on, come on, get on. Mm -hmm. Can you read a map? Come on. Right. Lidsville, the dude falls into the haunted, into the hat? Yes, yes. HR puffing stuff. Oh, a the boat just started. The boat just sails up, and the boat says, hey, Billy, get on the boat. We're going to go sail and have an adventure. There Not are someone on the boat. Right, just the boat. There are so many strangers speaking to children. It was, And then the children. White children. <laughs> it's actually a little black kid on um the Lost Saucer. Isn't it? Yeah, it's a little black kid. There's not a white kid too. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a white woman and a black kid. They never explain. I mean, I just watched the credits. Okay, okay. 
So, you know, from the 70s, you flow right into the 80s. Like, why are you in this shop buying stuff from this guy? Nothing about this setup seems safe. <laughs> all right. I mean, I asked and answered this. No, no, no. We, all, just, we all know. I, I just, I just. You ever watch the, um, it, it, it's funny when that Sesame Street um, box set came out for the anniversary mm-hmm. and it has like the very first episode of Sesame Street and it has a disclaimer on it where it says, don't do the stuff that we're showing kids do in this episode of Sesame Street because they're playing in a junkyard. It's like refrigerators all open, hanging up and hanging out as kids. And it's like. It was a different time. Like. It was a. Think of how many. I think we were actually feral. We we were feral people that stumbled into adulthood. Think about what the uh, 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 killer of sheep. (laughs) Killer sheep. The kids. (laughs) The kids in that. They are entertaining themselves. There's no oversight. <laughs> oh, right. They they are literally at an abandoned a building, dude. I said me and Camille are going to see Godzilla because it's like you know, well, you know, I can't take Adam. You know, Adam is seven. But then I thought about it. Shit, when I was seven, I had seen The Exorcist. Yeah, me, well, me too. And Amityville Horror. And Jaws, my, my dad was just like, look, I want to go to the movie. This the movie. We watching this movie. You seven? All right. Buckle up. Wait a minute. What? what, what? That's actually, I'm actually giving him more credit than, than he deserved. Because by me saying my dad said you're seven, buckle up, that was him acknowledging that I was seven and that this might be a rough rod. Well, hey, I, you know, famously, I took Olivia when she was, I think she corrected me and said she was about six. See, you and my dad, y'all look. Took her to see. Look, just the movie. Took her to see Blade 2. Just the movie. <laughs> and then I was surprised when in the middle of the night, she was standing in the doorway look. saying, I can't sleep. Look. And she had to come sleep. Look. My mom would say, it is time for him to go to bed. My father would say, leave that boy alone. He's not bothering anybody. He's okay. So I stay up with my dad. But you know what? If you stay up with dad, you got to watch your shit dad watch. watch. That's right. Well, fortunately with my dad, that meant Barney Miller. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my dad, it might be Wicker Man. We were just talking about it last (laughs) week. Hey, 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 you want to stay up with dad? This would dad watch. <laughs> Fortunately, my dad didn't watch that. We watched Barney Miller, WKRP. That's what my dad watched. Uh, he sat there eating pretzels and so this basic little arm come up out the out the grave at the end of carry. You want to stay up with dad? See, I just all I had to worry about was turkeys bombing yeah. from the sky. In 1963, America's Georgia, 15 black girls joined a protest. One for the matinee, please. Negroes, even you little ones, get your tickets 
in the back. We just want tickets to see the show. Then you stay right there, little girl. Here comes a whole mess of tickets for each and every one of oh, you. No, 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 no. For 45 days, the girls went missing without a trace. We searched all over and no signs of the girls. Now is the time to get organized. Right, Lorena? We ain't got no more time to waste. It's now or never, y'all. Pops is closing in. He's aiming at us. Carol, what should we do? Based on a true story, Push Black presents The Stolen Girls of Americus. Listen and follow on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcast. All right. How we ended up on Carrie, but there you go. There you go. There you go. That's the top five, top ladies five. and gentlemen. Um, it is now time for Six Degrees of Turville Park. <laughs> And didn't Dylan just have us do a PSA for for Young Jump? And now he's up here t- terrorizing me. Terrorizing me? I thought about that. I was like, yeah, Dylan. Dylan said, well, I got what I needed. I was about to say, I got what I need. So now I'm going to strike with Godzilla. I'm going to make Lynn sweat. Six Degrees of Derville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where Vincent has six movies or less to connect these two actors that I present to him to that one man melting pot. <laughs> Derville Martin. Um, Vincent. Yes. Um, there was a theme to these people. Okay. I'm trying to remember what this Oh. Keep it in theme. Keep it in theme. These are two actors that okay. have uh, played boxers okay. on screen. Very nice. Number one. Number one. In six movies or less. Okay. Connect Derville Martin. Derville Martin. To Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, well, that's interesting. Who did he play a boxer in? Uh, he played a boxer in a movie that I actually have a distant role in because um, I was just background. Uh, it was called, I want to make sure I get the title. I can do this while you're looking it up if you want. Go ahead, do it. You didn't, you, you didn't think about the fact that, um, that um, Gerville Martin is, of course, in Five on the Black Hand Side with Dick Anthony Williams, who is in Mo Better Blues with Samuel Jackson, who is in Spider-Man Far From Home with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, the movie I was thinking of, it, it, he, he is not the star of. Um, so it wasn't on his filmography. That's why okay. it didn't show up. All right. But very good. You did do. You, yeah, right, right, right. You know, He's you know. in the Marvel Sludge. Yes, he is in a Marvel mm-hmm. such, and I, and I totally forgot about mm-hmm. that. Absolutely forgot. Um, but he he plays a boxer in the film Southpaw. Okay. By directed by uh, Antoine Fuqua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I saw Southpaw, and it was pretty good. 
I think I saw it too. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Very good, Vincent. All right. Number two. Number two. In six movies or less. Mm-hmm. Connect Derville Martin to mm-hmm. Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. So was he a boxer? Are you thinking about Billy the Butcher? No. Yeah, I'm about to say because he won boxing in that. He was not boxing. You know, because of course I'm gonna go that exact same way and go from Derville Martin to um Dick Anthony Williams to Samuel Jackson to Leonardo DiCaprio in um Django Unchained, and then Leonardo DiCaprio is, of course, in Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York. Daniel Day-Lewis is Billy the Butcher. Do you like that movie? I love Gangs of New York. You don't? I think it's a little bit long. People are hot, real, I'm about to say people are hot and cold with it, but you're just sort of tepid. Yeah, I mean, because I I recognize it it looks fantastic, and there are moments of it that are really great. But I just feel like it. And Daniel Day Lewis just goes for oh, it. Well, I mean, he just goes for he it. He just goes. But I feel like it's it's long, and sometimes some of the beats are repetitive. I mean, okay. So, but you know, I yeah. want to I want to like it more. Yeah. Uh, but very good, Vincent. Um, mm-hmm. And Daniel Day Lewis actually was a boxer in 1997 in a film called the boxer where he plays the life of boxer and uh ira uh volunteer daniel flynn i'm actually hot and cold with daniel day lewis as an actor yeah really like sometimes i love him and then sometimes i just kind of roll my eyes and like all right I, i get it you're an actor what's what's a roll my eyes moment i've never i've never really understood the my left foot See, I never saw that. Yeah, it's, I get all right. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I, I, but then other stuff, I love them. No, I like them, but I, I just never saw my eye left foot, and I refuse to see what's the last Mohican. Any in that? It's not bad. I refuse. You know, you watch it on like cable. On white cable? Is that what you I said? On. <laughs> I said on cable. I didn't say white cable. I don't know what you're laughing about. Do you know what white cable is? Turner Classic Movies. Boom. How you like that? Uh Uh-huh. Don't be mad. Don't be mad. You don't play fair. (laughs) Now it's time for our review of Boxing Day. (laughs) We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Anywhere in the world's best proposal. We can try again when I get back from London. You're going to London during the holidays. Why you just said it's essential to promote this book? It's the perfect opportunity for me to meet your family. I don't even want to see my family. Is this about Boxing Day? Where your parents announced their divorce and you fled to America? London! It's not all tea and crumpets. It's miserable most of the time. Damn, screws. 
Melvin McKenzie is taking Hollywood by storm. That's my nephew! I fell in love with this beautiful American woman. Can you find her British girl now? Wow, it's Georgia for the live show. I love your music. Merry Christmas, guys. I wanted to introduce you to my fiance. Melvin! Georgia Filaron Show is your ex-girlfriend. She is a superstar. It is in the past. We've had sex to her music. Wow, fam. It just got worse. <laughs> Where is Mr. Hollywood with this American princess? Does he think he is Prince Harry? <laughs> Um, <laughs> and you bring your rass home to see your family. Oh, we're gonna punch his throat. <laughs> Love, relationships, all a matter of perspective. What are you doing, blind kisses to my missus on the ground, fam? <laughs> you think introducing me is gonna be the controversy of the night? Excuse me, who are you? Jumpy said to me when you first asked me out. Choose me. Lisa! We're in the best thing that ever happened to me. It'll be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. Christmas is a time for forgiving. Out. Bruv, them things don't work no more. Sorry, mate. Boxing Day, a 2021 comedy drama out of England, directed and co-written by Amel Amin, is the story of Melvin, a British author living in America who returns home to London for Christmas to introduce his American fiance Lisa, to his eccentric British Caribbean family. Family drama ensues. Family secrets are told in this holiday film starring Amel Amin as the lead character, along with Asia Naomi King, Lee Ann Pinnock, Stephen Dillon, and Marianne Jean Baptiste was the choice of Lynn Webb as we begin our December holiday movie journey. Lynn, what would you like to say about Boxing Day? Well, I'm going to start with the um, educating the people out there, all of our missionaries watching us as we are streaming live from Yunk Junk to YouTube and all places north, south, east, and west. Unless they know about Boxing Day already. Unless you already know about Boxing Day. (coughs) Boxing Day is a holiday celebrated after Christmas Day, Mm -hmm. occurring on the second day of the Christmas Tide, which would be... December 26th, Mm -hmm. though it originated as a holiday to give gifts to poor people. Today, Boxing Day forms part of the Christmas celebrations with many people choosing to take advantage of Boxing Day sales. Hmm. That's according to Wikipedia. It originated in Great Great Britain and is celebrated in several of the Commonwealth nations, um, such as uh, all parts of Europe and and Spain, Germany, the Netherlands, and of course in the Caribbean out. Yes. Um, Boxing Day is celebrated uh, as well. And I led with that little bit of history and a short little bit of Boxing Day because I learned all of that 
about Boxing Day from reading, not from the movie Boxing Day. Mm -hmm. Because the movie Boxing Day, while it does take place, part of it, on Boxing Day, is Boxing Day in name only. Yes. Because what this movie really is, it is the British actor, writer, director, Emil Amin's attempt to make a hallmark rom-com set in the Christmas tradition. Mm. For those who, who, who don't know already, and I'm sure people know, Christmas time is the time for Christmas movies. And I mean, right after Halloween is done, right after the horror movie starts, Christmas movies begin on Hallmark, on Lifetime, on BET, on Netflix, mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. There are Christmas movies, Christmas movies, Christmas movies, Christmas movies. And for every 10 Christmas movies, mm -hmm. four of them are going to be family films. Yeah. The rest of them are going to be rom-com because a Christmas rom-com is a genre unto itself mm -hmm. and a successful genre because that's why they keep returning to the well. Yeah. And within that genre, there are certain tropes that uh, emerge from all of the films. These, these are usually, it's usually a, a movie about a, a couple that is uh, one of the people in the couple that starts off the movie is not happy about how things are going, but they're just dealing with it. They usually got to go back home or go back to another city to rediscover who they are and meet the love of their life and put stars and lights and a bow on the tree and kiss at the end of the movie and live happily ever after. And in, in between all of that, Family drama and hijinks and laughter ensues. There's always a misgivings that happen. There's always an ex that comes up and kind of like uh, possibly, you know, ruffles feathers. It happens in every one of these movies. And Emil Amin is trying to have his cake and eat it too with Boxing Day. It's just a British version of it. Props to him because it's not just strictly British. He is of British Caribbean descent, pr particularly British Jamaican. Mm -hmm. I understand. In a, a bit of a mixed family with British Nigerian family. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is a blending of the British and Jamaican and Nigerian cultures on display in this movie. And there's no shorthand to that. So you're just dropped right, right. in the midst of this culture, in this tradition. And in that, it is a beautiful thing. Like I said, in all of these movies, there is a going back home and rediscovering your family. And in this movie, which starts off with Emil Amin, who is um, with, he is a successful author. No, he's an actor first, but then becomes a bit of a sci-fi author and has a hit book on his on his plate 
who is publicist, uh, arranges for him. Well, you know what? It's time for you to go and promote your book. And we're going to start back in your hometown in London. Sure. Get you back to London, get you on London, uh, London, good, good morning, London, and talk about the book as, as it's coming out. And he's, he's uh, a little, oh man, I don't want to go back home because why he's come to America. He's been two years in America. He's found love. Mm-hmm. He's found he's found uh, a, a successful American black woman uh, named Lisa, played by uh, Aja Naomi King. More mm-hmm. about her later. Who has now discovered that one, she is a casting agent in Hollywood. That's how they met. She's got an opportunity for a great job in New Zealand working for Peter Jackson. And has discovered that she's pregnant mm. with his baby. Mm. And when she comes home, prepared to tell him, it is at the same moment that he tells her, hey, baby, I got to go to London. Um, and this is going to be your first opportunity to meet my family who don't know anything about you. And <coughs> oh, yeah. Will you marry me? <laughs> As he has this big band playing with roses all over the place. She says, of course, yes. Great. Now give me back the ring because when we go home, I don't want them to know that we're engaged just yet. So we'll just play it that we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Huh? But that's what that happens in every one of these movies. Also, she messed up the. To- Proposal because she threw up. Oh, because she threw up because she's pregnant, which she then doesn't tell him. She hasn't told him. She hasn't told him. When they go back to London, it comes out that he didn't tell her that his most recent ex, who he had just bum rushed out of London from two years earlier, is the pop sensation Georgia played by Leanne Pinnock. And she happens to be staying in the same hotel as them in London. Ooh! And she is the daughter of his mom's best friend. Yeah. Ooh! And because they dated not just before he left for America, but since they were children, right? They they grew up. They've together. been like destined to be together. The families are intertwined and will be together at Boxing Day for the holidays. Ooh, it's a bit of a sticky wicket. A bit of a sticky wicket that only gets stickier because Emil Amin's, who is the actor, the character is Melvin, his sister. It's George's assistant and best friend. And they're at the hotel, too. Oh, my goodness. What forever is going to happen in this movie? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can see the hilarity lining up, ladies Mm -hmm. and gentlemen. Of course, we have yet to get back home to meet the crazy characters and the knucklehead uncles and aunts of this blended Jamaican Nigerian British 
family. Yeah. It is all the makings of every Christmas movie you rom-com lovers absolutely love. Mm -hmm. It is all right here. It is cookie cutter. There is... uh, um, there is slapstick galore. There are moments where people are doing pratfalls. They're running all over the place. It is an exceptionally cute movie. It is funny at times. It is well produced. It, is, it looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It looks absolutely fantastic. Amil Amin um, as a leading actor. Good got a little bit of charisma with him his his chemistry with Aja Naomi King is spot on and you can't help but have chemistry with her because Aja or Asia I'll say Asia because it's AJA Asia Naomi King is absolutely the best thing in this movie and a star in the making in mm-hmm. my in my opinion she absolutely steals this this movie from Every single person she is in a scene with. If you are in a scene with her, you might as well just deliver your lines and step out of the way because she is eating the room from you. She is she is that boss in this movie. She she makes the movie worth watching. It's it's very cookie cutter. It's very by the numbers. There's a, a maybe a there's a a C plot about Melvin's younger brother and this um, this crush that he has on this girl who doesn't even notice that he's alive, but the girl is the ex of his cousin and his cousin is mad that he's got a crush on a girl and all this other type of stuff. It makes, it, it, it makes no sense. It, you could pluck it out of the movie and lose nothing from mm-hmm. this film. Um it's a, there's also a D plot about his Melvin's mother played by Mary Jean uh, Baptiste, who's always a revelation whenever she is in a film, but she knew uh, two years divorce from their father who cheated on her. And that's why she che- uh, uh, divorced him is now in a relationship with a white man. And she's apprehensive about introducing this to the family. So there's a deep plot about, you know, what does that mean? What does that say about uh, their actual relationship? And will he be accepted by the family? We all know how this is going to play out. And it plays out exactly how you, you think it's going to play out. The, the question is, do you like the ride, the road to the end that we all know is coming? And I would say on as rides go, if I'm giving a ride a, a grade of one to 10, this ride is a solid seven. It's it's what you would want from a Christmas movie. I enjoyed it from there. I enjoyed living in that culture. Just like you were talking about with Pearlie, I could live with that family. Mm-hmm. I could live with that that blended family all day. I think they're a little un, underused in this in this movie, but that's how strong the actors are that bring the those characters to life that I just want to be in that room and playing dominoes and drinking Red Stripe and Ray and Nephew with them and all day. Um, but 
it's it's a Christmas movie. I I watched it on my own uh yesterday, last night, and I liked it well enough that I look forward to revisiting it this holiday. Mm-hmm. During the holiday and turn it in on it and, and introducing people to the movie. Cause I think, it, I think it was charming enough. Yeah. 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 Pretty much everything you said, as you said, at, at this point, the holiday film, this type of holiday movie, I do think there are several types of holiday movies and we have all <coughs> talk about the, the sort of traditional yeah. holiday movie that works, but certainly over the past 10, 15 years, the hallmark holiday movie, as you said, has become a subgenre yep. of these kind of films. I, I do think traditionally the best holiday films have a bit of darkness in them. Like you think about a Christmas Carol and, and it's a wonderful life. And like, there's always this kind of vein of melancholy or actual darkness that the, the, the sweetness and the brightness contrast. Okay. But the Hallmark movie is just all, kind all, of, all froth. Yep. It's all froth. And I think it's not my thing, but what I've really admired over the past five years is how there's been a, con, a, a, a sort of concerted effort to make them less blindingly white. Yes. Like sort of the 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 sort of it's 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 TikTok kind of social media joke at this point where you know I'm the high high positioned money making city girl and mm-hmm. I end up in the small town with a guy who runs a Christmas tree lot and how you know we've got nothing in common and then they end up together but again Hallmark has always been white. And there has been this effort to change it up, change it up. Yep. to the point where there's now a fair number of black versions, a, lot, a ton of them of this film. But yeah. as you said, still cookie cutter, still kind of straightforward, still, you know, what is it that, you know, if you like this thing, this is your thing. But like you, I think what made Boxing Day work for me was the specificity of this culture yep. of this location london is 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 shot beautifully like mm-hmm. like like you can tell amel amel amin amel amin is from london he knows london it's not just the london stuff yeah like this looks like this has the sensibilities of somebody who knows this city the specificity of this Jamaican English family. That's what it's about. It really made me think of Steve McQueen's short, you know, his miniseries from a few years ago, Small Acts. Yes. Which also highlighted that that culture, this, that world. this Caribbean culture in yeah. England that I was not that aware of. Mm-hmm. So it was just so beautiful seeing this shade of blackness that I was unfamiliar with. And that helps so much. And you can tell, and he says so in interviews, he pulled so much of 
of the way that these characters were constructed from his family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that again, like you there, there's, there's a, there's an extended domino game with his uncles. Yeah. That dog, you know, me, you get some old black men talking. Just, I just would be in a room. Look, 45 minutes. Like, like just everybody sit down 45 minutes. We going to spend on this domino game mm-hmm. and these old men talking, the aunties, and I have to say, he and I, me and um, Amel Amin had a moment through time and through the movie where, as you said, his fiance is secretly pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I actually said, if this girl walks into this room with all these old women and not one old woman clocks that she's pregnant, I'm calling shenanigans. And sure enough, his mom, his mom says, oh, she's pregnant. And I said, all right, good deal. You are right, you doing doing what you're supposed to do. The performances are all solid, mm-hmm. as you said. I've been a fan of Asian Naomi King since she was on How to Get Away with Murder. And you're talking about her eating up everybody, just sort of her performance in this film. I would expect nothing less for someone who went toe to toe with Viola Davis yeah, for yeah. four or five years. And she would, she would hold her own. Mm-hmm. So she's fantastic. Um, the story itself, I felt like had enough specificity, like, like you, it's always going to be a complication, but it's like the complication of, you know, your father cheated on your mother and then your mother told the whole family on Boxing Day. Yeah. And then you so that ran. made you run out. So that's what made you run. Yeah. I was like, well, I've never seen this, ver- like in the Mad Libs of how you put together the plot. Mm. I've never seen this particular Mad Lib. So points for that. Much like you, you got the sense that there was more there, particularly from the sister character and and the sister character is played by Tamara Lawrence who does not get as much to do in here as she And should. she actually does is very good. And you can tell she's very good. I also um his father who has destroyed his life Robbie G, mm-hmm. uh, who plays Bilal, his father, who, as, as we said, has cheated on his mother, destroyed his life. He comes in about halfway through and he's just sort of a character and he's part of, of this troop of actors and he's part of the ensemble. But then there's this really neat scene between he and his son. Yeah. Yeah. At the bar that he owns. Mm hmm. That I said, well, well, I need more Bilal. So that, like you, I, I think the the critique is is really a compliment wrapped in a critique that so many of the performers in this film and so many of their characters, I wanted to. I mean, hell, his mom's relationship with uh this you, you know with her white bow, Stephen uh Stephen Delane. Who's good whenever he shows up? Like he's shown, I think he's on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Once or twice. I really like him. So that I liked it too. I, I think seven, I think seven is, is right. It's is like a, right, in the, it, it's right there, like a, right? Is seven, you know, I might bump it to an eight 
just because of the specificity? No, see, now I can't go eight. Can't go eight. And I'll tell you, you what. Fight me for, can we split it and do seven and a half? No, I got to stay seven. Okay, but what's what's keeping it from seven and a half or an eight? Because what's keeping it from keeping it from anything higher than a seven? Okay, because it it we said it it it's good. Yeah, solid. It's so, it's solid. Solid. But then, and it's not her fault. Okay, Emil Amin wants to. You know, he has to. We lead the the movie by saying that Georgia is this big pop star. Yes. Which means that somewhere in the movie, we have to see Georgia sing. Yes. Just you have to get a sense of her singing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we do. Yeah. And she sings. But she doesn't sing a pop song. She sings... Oh God! Was it? I just I just had it. I, she sings, she sings two songs in this movie. Well, she sings for the love of you at the one, end. She sings for the love of you at the end of the movie. At the end of the movie, and because that's it, a callback to the right. movie that the, the right. song that right. he and had then, the band. But playing. then in the pop up, she sings. Um, oh, what is the song she sings? It's not one of her songs. It's though. not one of her songs. It's a cover. Yeah, she sings. Oh, ah. I gotta look it up. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I wrote it down. Okay. I think I'm pretty sure I wrote it down in my book, and I was trying not to. But what's the problem with her singing this cover? It was it was absolutely ear numbing. I I I I think she sounds like somebody who was a pop star in 2021. I mean, hell, the actress is actually in a group in England, and she's a pop star. I say a little prayer for you. Right, she, right, right. She sings, sing a little prayer. So, it, 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 oh, 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 oh. I, I, I think she sounds exactly like someone who's a pop star in 2021. Well, which, which is not good. Not good singing that song. Okay, Grandpa, here's the thing. It was not, no, it's not a grandpa moment. These children can't actually, like, like who are you comparing her to? Dionne Warwick or Aretha Franklin? Well, I have been on a bit of a Nancy Wilson kick. Right. Yeah, see, here's the thing. None of them sing. I, I mean, this, you, you know, she's actually a singer. I know. Like, she's actually I a know, she's actually a pop star singer. Like, she's, this is actually her job. Yeah, but you didn't like it doesn't mean it's not realistic. You thinking it doesn't sound good doesn't mean it's not realistic. Well, that's why I can't give it over a seven. No, you got to give it over a seven. Because, well, I got to give it over a seven. Because she did her job. Like, she actually did her job. Well, she doing well. No, she does it as well as they all do it. I'll give her seven and a half. If your name is not Beyonce Knowles, none of these girls can sing. What? That's not true. Who, who, who's singing? Who's singing in 2023? Who's singing? Who actually singing? Well, I mean... <laughs> uh-huh, who? Tell me! <laughs> she not my deal, but you know, 
Beyonce can sing, but you take her off the board. Yes. Who else is in the choir at your church in 1987 singing lead on Communion Sunday? Jill Scott. Jill Scott is our age. She's not our age. Jill Scott is 100% closer to our age. She is. Well, Beyonce is forty something. Well, you know, I don't, you know, you know, the kids. I don't, I don't like to talk about that. Let's be honest. I was like, all right, all right, all right. You know, so I'm probably about the same age. Right, right, I'm talk, all right, you know, we won't let them have Beyonce, but you know, they get a little touchy about that. Actually, because I always talk to my students about their music is terrible. And it's always some child that won't tell me, I got some music for me. And some child gave me some music. And you know who all who half the playlist was? Outcast. I was like, well, this is a good playlist, but I, you know, I, I don't want to point out the fact that it's because half of the people on the playlist are my MCs. <laughs> she did fine i think it is 100 realistic this part of it okay. i am strongly advocating for the eight i'll go seven and a half all right seven because and a half. she is actually singing yes so i will give you that yes and she doesn't have a bad voice no she doesn't have a bad voice. Have a bad voice it helps that she's pretty though Look, sometimes I look at talking that sometimes, sometimes I look at footage of people. I ain't gonna say any women because that's just bad form. But like you look at old footage of, of we were talking about Luther the other day, and Luther looked like he is just working at the phone company, but that voice. Or like um, who's another good one? Like you look at Who's another like, like, like James Ingram and Jeffrey Osborne? Jeffrey like, Osborne. Like you look at these dudes, and it's like, woo, you Jeffrey Osborne. Woo, it's all about the voice. But that voice. It's all about the voice. So, you know, like, leave this little sister alone. She's See, fine. you you say leave this little sister alone, and I'll, and I'll back off. All right. But here's the thing: if you had just heard her singing that song. On the radio, you'd be singing another tune right now. No. I'd be singing the same tune that I sing right now. No, I don't wouldn't. listen to none of that. I don't listen to none of it. But, but why wouldn't you be listening to it? Because I don't like it. Well, that's all I'm saying. Yes, but you can't say you don't like it as a good set of criteria for, for, for dinging this film. Like, she is playing... A 28-year-old ingenue mm -hmm. pop star mm -hmm. in 2021. Mm -hmm. like, I see your point. I like see if point. she That's was fair. right, if this was set in 1940, and like Donna Washington and Ella Fitzgerald were 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 going up against her to be lead for Duke Ellington's orchestra, and she won, then you could say, "Oh yeah, that's something." Okay, I'll give you that. Right. I'll give you that. I'll give you Someone that can sing choir, Jasmine Sullivan. Jasmine Sullivan is a good one. Jasmine Sullivan, point. Okay. But it took you. <laughs> That's not the point. It took you 10 minutes. That's not the point. Ask the up. question. All right. Ask the question. All right. Would you 
Right. Somebody said the OJs. Oh my bro, of course, my brother. The OJs. What did you the OJs from like 1973? The OJs looked like they left, they just left the factory and came to sing some songs. But soon as Eddie Levert and Walter Williams open their mouth, it's like, oh my God, you've got the voice of an angel. That's the same thing. I got the whispers over. Whispers, same thing. All of them groups. Damn ass twins. Oh, all of them groups. Well, Felipe Wynn. Felipe Wynn looked like the dude. He looked like my mailman in 1974. Who would get out the mail truck, put mail at your house, get in the mail truck, and drive five feet. <laughs> get out and put the mail in. As soon as Felipe went open his mouth, like them dudes in the 70s could sing. No, they could. Like they could sing. I ain't good looking. I had there, there were some, there were some good looking guys. It was maybe three good looking guys. Marvin Gaye, Teddy Pendergrass. Who else was a good-looking guy? Like, oh, wow, that's a good-looking guy. Isaac Hayes was a, wasn't a bad-looking man. Isaac Hayes. They came up. They, You know what? They invented a brand-new term for Barry White. That's how crazy Barry White looked. What the hell is a love wars? But Barry White's not a, a bad looking man. Come on, stop. He wasn't a bad looking he, man. He, he made it work for him. Fair enough. Yes. Like, we ain't talking about the women because that's bad form. But it's a lot of the comments that we've made about the men that it's a lot of the women that were singing in the 70s. You can make similar comments. We wouldn't do that because that's bad form. That's true. You know, this is pretty little girl, and she, you know, she carry a tune, and, and look, she's a look. I'm, I'm. I gave it a seven and a half. Right, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pop star in 2021. Would you recommend people see Boxing Day? I would, I would, I would. I think. Um, no, I should ask you. It's your movie. You just did. Oh, and you said yes. Oh no, you started to, and yeah, then you went on about the OJs. Your brother distracted right, you. Right, right. Don't look at the comments. Is that what you said? Yes, I did. Because because they distract. <laughs> this that's my point. That is that is that is my point exactly. They distract you, <laughs> and Damon knows he can't be bringing up the OJs to me. Because I love the OJs. I love the OJs. Love the OJs. What is it to do? Look, not nary an OJ could have been a model. <laughs> okay. That's some some singing brothers. So, the same with the Temptations. I mean, Temptations, well, they, they were, they were kind of good looking guys. There were some, a couple yeah, of good looking Yeah, they guys. were good. I mean, but Temptations, they were good looking, you know. Not all of them, but some. Not all, but that was the Temptations thing, though. They, like, yeah, they were kind of yeah, smooth and, yeah, you, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Four tops were good looking. Four tops. I mean, you know, that Motown sheen that's worked true. for a lot of that's them. That's very true. Yeah. Rick I James. <laughs> Rick James had that thing happening. He had him. it happen. He had a thing. It happened. Right, right, right. It happened. I would recommend Boxing Day. I, I, you know, I think, um, you know, I always think you should watch 
an example of every type of genre just so you can kind of be familiar with mm-hmm. the language of it. And, and these are you know, the holiday Hallmarky movie is, is it's not, it's not, you know, it's no harm, no foul. Do you watch any of them? I don't. Well, not deliberately. So d- does Wendy watch? No, them? no. Okay. So how do, how do you, then how if, do you... It's, if it's like on, like, like, you, you know, you know, like just as white noise, like it's sort of on while I'm doing something else. And you look and you know, it's like it's like a black dude in a sweater. It's like, oh, and that's a, what he's doing. Right. It's like a black dude in a sweater. <laughs> that with black guys in sweater. Right. Too? Black guy in a sweater. I am a professional. I do professional things and I'm a lawyer, doctor, architect. But in my downtime, I put on sweaters. Right. I have on a sweater and I'm at my parents' house and Big eggnog. Right. It's Atlanta. And, you know, no, that's in Atlanta. You, you know, you, you know, Tracy's home too. You haven't seen Tracy since it's you two were in Tracy. You know, you two haven't seen each other since you were in school together. And it's like, Ma, you know, I'm engaged to Keisha. And then, you know, and it's, oh, and it's like, but then you and Keisha had a falling out and, and you run into Tracy and, Got you two running in the gifts fly and it mm-hmm. kind of goes from there. So I don't know if it's on. But I think the specificity of this, dare I say, elevates it out of it does. that mass. It does. The specificity and then the actual performances. Because mm-hmm. I do think that they are solid to good mm-hmm. performances. Uh, sure. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our review of Boxing Day. Before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week here on The Michelle Mission, I invite you to follow The Michelle Mission on the social media of your choice, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at Michelle Mission. You can go at Michelle Mission also on YouTube, where you can hit that subscribe bell and ring the bell so that you can be notified whenever we put up new... videos when we go live when we put up our our fantastic shorts that dylan edits out from the show um go to youtube slash at me show mission and subscribe become one of of our subscribers to our growing list of missionaries who can always go to our website michellemission.com and find our entire backlog of of shows and Michelle Mission is also a proud member of The Podglomerate. ThePodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. You can go there and check out their growing network of sister shows to The Michelle Mission. They're all our sisters because we're the big brother. Um, the Michelle Mission streams live every Tuesday night from Young Junk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast, Palace here in Maniunk. And if you want to book some time here at Young Junk, email Dylan at YoungJunk.com. That's D-Y-L-A-N at YoungJunk.com. And book your time in one of the fabulous studios outside of ours. Trust me, they're all gorgeous. We would be there, but this one is signed. It's it's ours. Um, Also, Tickets are on sale right now. The Michelle Mission is 
going to be doing a live screening, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. A live screening coming your way in January in 2024, January 27th at the Lounge at World Cafe Live. We will be screening Love Jones Mm -hmm. and doing a live podcast on that night. Tickets are on sale at worldcafelive.com. Com. Thank you to all of you who like really scooped them up. They went on sale on December 1st and a lot of people went in there and scooped up tickets. So we really appreciate that. And we can't wait to see each and every one of you there at World Cafe Live. Um, it's uh, going to be fun screening. And you know, you haven't seen, you probably haven't seen Love Jones ever, a lot of you ever on the big screen. I know. And now you'll see it on a big screen with with fans, come have some food, drinks, and mm-hmm. while out and have a good live podcast with Vincent and I. Okay? Next week on the Michelle Mission, as yeah. we continue our celebration of the holiday season, we are going to do a movie that I know each and every one of you are eager to catch because it just recently dropped in your streaming channels. And we're going to tell you all about it next week when Vincent and I, speaking about Tracy Ellis Ross. How about that? Review Tracy Ellis Ross and the unstoppable Eddie Murphy Mm -hmm. in Candy Cane Lane. Candy Cane Lane. Vincent's selection for our next stop on the Michaud Mission. Can't wait, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, he's Vincent, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb with co-production by Mo Poplar, music by Alexa Gold, and filmed at the Video Content Factory. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network.